Invisible Choir explores detailed depictions of violence and murder and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Could it have been murder? Welcome to Episode 4 of Invisible Choir. I'm your host, Michael Ojibwe. For those of you joining us early from Patreon, thank you so much for your support. Your free Invisible Choir merchandise is already on the way. We're going to jump right back into the mysterious case of Kendrick Johnson and try to piece together the clues to answer the question, could his death actually have been the result of murder? When we last left off, the results of Kendrick's second autopsy had just made headlines around the nation. Everything people thought they knew about the case had been brought into serious question. Jackie and Kenneth Johnson were suspicious. And soon, people in Valdosta, as well as around the world, were talking about the mysterious circumstances surrounding Kendrick's death. Not only were the findings in the second independent autopsy inconsistent with accidental death, all of Kendrick's major organs had mysteriously gone missing his empty body cavity stuffed instead with crumpled up newspaper. Investigators and web sleuths alike began formulating theories around what really happened in that old gymnasium. If it wasn't an accident, who would want Kendrick dead and why? First of all, as Kendrick being my son, Kendrick would not have never tried to crawl on no bleachers and fought, go into no hat. Kendrick would have took all those mats, hung them down, got his tennis shoes and went on to class. Left those mats, laying down on that floor and went right on to class. And you know, the Johnsons really wanted to get some details from that video, that blurry video just you just showed about how this investigation was handled. They say it was bungled at best used as a cover-up at the very worst. Well, we now have details from an official on the scene, the coroner, Bill Watson, about that uh, investigation. Here it is, it's its coroner's uh, death investigation report. I'm gonna read from it. He writes, the investigative climate was very poor to worse when I arrived on the scene. The body had been noticeably moved, the scene had been compromised, and there was no cooperation from law enforcement at the scene. He goes on to say, Anderson, that uh, information necessary for my lawful investigation was withheld. Now, this is one version of the uh, coroner's death investigation report. This is another. This one was sent to us as a result of an open records request from the coroner's office, and it's, it's uh, signed and dated. This copy was given to us in May by the sheriff's office, and again last week as a, a, a result of that law enforcement, it does not have the description that I just read, nor is it signed by the coroner. Two versions of the same report. As information slowly began coming out regarding the investigation, inconsistencies in the official reports began to cast doubt as to whether or not Kendrick's death was actually an accident. Most bizarrely were the two separate reports created by the coroner, one detailing exactly how the scene was found and how the investigators weren't properly treating the area as a crime scene, and the other, the fixed report, later released by Sheriff Chris Prine, was actually lacking the coroner's signature, 
and lacked earlier criticisms of their investigative techniques. CNN first reported on the two differing reports and how the crime scene had been compromised by law enforcement and that potential evidence likely wasn't appropriately collected and processed at all. Typically, you hear in television shows and movies the term bag and tag, referring to the proper collection and processing of evidence at a crime scene. In this case, investigators did not collect what many thought to be crucial pieces of evidence. The shoe found mere yards away from where Kendrick's body was that appeared to be covered in blood, for instance, was never collected, and its whereabouts remain unknown to this day. Did these shoes belong to Kendrick? No. When you look at these shoes that were at the scene, what stands out to you? The blood on the shoe. But investigators say tests show the stains are something other than blood, so the shoes were not collected as potential evidence. The sweatshirt that appeared to have dried blood on the wrist was never collected either. We will post a photo of both of these items at invisiblechoir.com. Have a look for yourselves. Would you have collected these items as evidence? And let's not forget about the blood spatter on the wall directly adjacent to the wrestling mat, which actually was collected and tested. The results indicated that the blood was not Kendrick's, however. The remaining DNA profile was inconclusive. And we tested it and it was blood. And we did DNA testing and it was not the blood of Kendrick Johnson. Did you ever find out who it was or any involvement? No, as of, as of now we haven't, no. But it doesn't appear to be related to our crime in any way. Another oddity at the scene was the way that Kendrick's gym shoes were neatly tucked under his calves. It's one thing to theorize that his shoes slipped off of his feet while trying to wiggle away and out of the mat. But if you go by that theory, would his shoes be tucked together perfectly under his legs? Examining the crime scene photo makes you wonder if they were placed there intentionally. The paramedics who first arrived on scene noted bruising to Kendrick's face, something that was never documented on either of the coroner's reports from the scene or later noted in the autopsy dictation. For retired FBI agent Harold Copas, everything surrounding this case and the way it was handled didn't sit right. So uh, you've read over the autopsy report, the paramedics report, all the documents and, and know about this story. Let's start here with just the dimensions. County officials say that 510 Kendrick Johnson was reaching into this mat it's, just, it's six feet tall, right? Yes. Arm extended. His shoulders are 19 inches wide. The hole in the center is 14 inches wide. Uh, do you find that suspicious? I find a lot of it suspicious. And, and one of the things that really makes me wonder is that he's reaching for one shoe. How did that shoe get into this mat? Makes you wonder who was in there. Was there some horseplay? Did someone see it? There are more questions here than there are answers right now. Okay, let's talk about this uh, Paramex report. You have a copy, I have a copy. Yes. And uh, let's start with um, this element of bruising of the face. Now, uh, the family says they were told there were no bruises, no signs of foul play, but the paramedics report says that there was bruising noted on the right side of his jaw. It does. And what's interesting is when you look at the autopsy report, there's no mention of any bruising. So it doesn't make any sense. Now, you might get away with that by saying maybe when he went into the mat, that bruised his face. I don't know. No one knows. But some, that doesn't, something doesn't ring true here. Someone had to tell him it was a crime scene. So there was a, a school resource officer on the scene. You would think by the time the medics got there, police were already there. I suspect the body was pulled out initially, looked at, 
because they made certain determination about eye movement, things like this. They couldn't have done that if the body was down, stuffed down in this mat. Again, a lot more questions than our answers. Initial EMS reports claim that when the original 911 call was made to report the discovery of Kendrick's body, responding paramedics noted his presumed cause of death as cardiac arrest. They also noted bruising to Kendrick's right jaw and lividity and modeling on his face and right arm. Lividity occurs when the heart stops pumping and blood pools in the vessels after death, leaving dark marks on the lowest points of settlement. The marks often give investigators ample clues in determining the body's final position at death. The lividity observed at the scene suggested Kendrick likely died while upside down, but early observations of trauma and bruising to his face and neck suggested someone somewhere was attempting to cover up the possibility of foul play. Uh, it says that a 17-year-old male, they received the call that a 17-year-old male was complaining of cardiac arrest. I've listened to the 911 calls. They say that, that he was dead when they found him. How would that make it into this report? Doesn't make any sense. How could it be a cardiac arrest? Possibly they just put that down as standard language. Until you interview those people, you don't know. As CNN began diving further into their exclusive investigation, Lowndes County Coroner Bill Watson asked to have an interview he previously participated in destroyed. I don't know what the county did when they got there on the scene. Uh, the body had been moved. The scene, in my opinion, had been compromised. The uh, coroner, Bill Watson, sent me an email after we did an interview and he said something similar. I want to put up part of that email. He told me through this email, I would appreciate it if you would destroy this interview with me. I do not want this to be shown whatsoever. I feel that our situation should not be aired. Of course, CNN decided that we would air it. I called to ask why he said that um, this just needs to end. It's gone too far. Final question. Are there enough questions here that if you were the person deciding for DOJ, should there be an investigation opened into this investigation of the death? Definitely. As the case garnered additional national attention, an anonymous tip came through the Lowndes County Sheriff's website tip line, the contents revealing a potential bombshell in the case. And this is a huge development involving a potential confession? Yes, this is an hmm. email. Essentially, you go to the loungesheriff.com uh, website and you click anonymous tip and you can send in the information. I have the message right here. I'm going to actually, for the first time, read portions of it. Uh, this uh, writer, the sender, says that two students, we're not going to name them because no one has been named a suspect right. to their minors, but it says these two students met KJ and killed him. And then it goes on to say that one of the students has been heard admitting to killing KJ more than once over the phone. Now, again, this person does not even claim to have heard the confession him or herself. If these new allegations were true, someone at the school had to be involved. But who could it have been? The tipster gave the names of four possible suspects. But it's big. This is a development because of all the tips and all the comments that have come in through that website, and we know there have been many because we have them, we requested them, this is the first time since the sheriff's office closed its investigation in May that it is actively looking into a tip. So the sheriff's, sheriff's office is now looking at They're the ones who yeah. closed case. This was an accidental death. Yes. Right? Yes. They, not the FBI. Not the FBI. Involved. Interesting. Yeah. This that, is the sheriff's office. That's very big. Now, what, what steps are they taking now? To, first, they've got to figure out who sent the email, right? Yes. Well, what they've done is they've asked the DA, J. David Miller there in the mm -hmm. Southern District, 
District of Georgia to issue a subpoena, and they have to a communications company to get the sender's uh, information, the address, the phone number, the service name, uh, all of that to find out who sent the email. The second thing, this started, this message came in on January 27th. On the 28th, of the four students who were named in this message, uh, Lowndes County investigators went out to interview two of them. Now, the two students, they acknowledged they knew Kendrick Johnson, but they, uh, of course, denied any involvement in his death. Not long after the findings of the autopsy were released, the names of two brothers began surfacing. Brian and Brandon Bell both attended Lowndes High School with Kendrick. Prior to his death, there was an alleged confrontation between Kendrick and Brian. Apparently, they were on the way back from a football game when Brian made a snide remark towards Kendrick. There was some back-and-forth banter between the young men that eventually got to the point of exchanging offensive your-mama jokes. Things allegedly continued to escalate into a physical altercation between the two, many who say Kendrick came out on top. Because their names began spiraling around the community and were quickly picked up by the local media, the Bell brothers agreed to an exclusive interview with the local news station in an attempt to clear their names. I'm going to ask my photographer to push in tight on your face. Okay. Our viewers can read your expression. Did you have anything to do with the death of Kendrick Johnson? No. He's, he's like one of my good friends. Even at the time of his death? Even at the time of his death. You know, every word we broadcast of this is going to be scrutinized by the blogosphere, the Twitter sphere, and so on. Yes, sir. It should be. And I want everybody to know the truth. And uh, I mean, they can ridicule me and they can, they can say whatever they want. But in the end, the truth will prevail. And everybody will find that me and my brother have been innocent and always will be innocent. Did you see Kendrick Johnson? No, sir. Not at any point during that day. Where were you? I was in class. I was in class. First block, second block, third block, and fourth block. Close to the gym? No. Did you see Kendrick that day? No. I did not. When asked about the altercation, Brian Bell claims that their brief interaction was so benign, it wasn't something he felt mattered much at all, that it wasn't even worth a second thought. So I can't even remember. I mean, it was so, like, it was so small to us, like, it was... It was ridiculous. At one point, the Bell Boy's mother claimed that Kendrick was close to their family, claiming that he often stayed the night at their house. If true, it was a major claim. But for Jackie Johnson, she believed this to be an outright lie. She knew her son, and she knew his friends quite well. Brian and Brandon were no friends of Kendrick's. Beyond the rumors that had begun circulating around town, the Johnson family attorneys Benjamin Crump and Shaveen King proclaimed that the discrepancies had been thoroughly researched. None of the allegations that were made were without research. Federal investigators had gone to the Bell home, serving a search warrant and combing through the entire house for any clues that may have been left behind to support the claims. Family attorneys also subpoenaed the video surveillance from Lowndes High School, and the tapes appeared to show Brandon Bell walking into a bathroom in a white sweatshirt with what appeared to be a dark red stain on the front, only to walk out in a new outfit with his old clothes and a trash bag moments later. It turns out, though, that what appeared to be a red stain was actually a logo on the sleeve of the sweatshirt that said Polo RX. An up-close look at the sweatshirt in question 
quickly eliminated that item as a piece of reliable evidence. Nothing else was found in the home that could link either of the brothers to Kendrick's death. While it may seem immediately apparent that the brothers were in some way or somehow involved in Kendrick's death, both men had airtight alibis. Brandon had apparently been away at a wrestling event against another school in Macon, Georgia, while Brian was signed in attending his afternoon classes. Although there was no evidence to support either one of them were involved in any type of murder plot, the effects of the investigation directly affected Brian, who was set to sign a scholarship to Florida State University to play football. Your brother had a football scholarship offered to FSU. Yes, sir, he they, did. They pulled it back. On signing day. So how low did you get? To the lowest. The lowest you can go. But still, the mysterious circumstances surrounding Kendrick's death begged the question, if not the Bell brothers, then who? The neighborhood is unsafe, the streets unlit. While others sleep soundly, you lie awake because you know the truth. You know that, no matter where you go, there's always a chance that a monster is in your midst. The darkness that runs deep within our own veins, the evil found in even the sweetest of souls, sometimes comes to light. And when it does, the result is a person that takes on that evil, that wears it proudly and becomes part of the darkness itself. I am Aaron from Devil We Know Podcast. And on our true crime show, we dive into the scariest corners of our past and present to reveal the devil we know. A father, a mother, a brother, a sister, and anyone, anywhere who hides in plain sight. Living a life of bloody secrets while living just next door. Come check us out and hear the chilling, true stories about the devils we know. People in Valdosta, as well as those around the world, began formulating their own theories as to what may have actually occurred. Some left plenty of room for possibility, and others fully ventured into the realm of full-blown conspiracy. But just as quickly as the Bell brothers were eliminated as suspects from the public court of opinion, even more details began to emerge, suggesting the possibility of a coordinated cover-up of murder. And at last check, this case remained a focus of federal investigation. But we are outside the FBI's Atlanta field office because that is where we're told Agent Rick Bell was assigned and both his sons are the subject of target letters from a federal prosecutor. You might be wondering who Rick Bell is. Well, he is the father of both Brandon and Brian Bell and was theorized to be the person who allegedly stalled the initial investigation of Kendrick's death the day his body was found. In 2016, just three years following the initial investigation, the Johnson family released a civil affidavit. In this affidavit was a bombshell. A man claimed to have received firsthand information about the death of Kendrick Johnson. On August 6, 2016, Ryan Anthony Domic Hernandez made a statement to the Johnson family lawyers under oath. He claimed that in April of 2016, he had gone to Brandon Bell's apartment in Jacksonville, Florida. While there, he was told that Brian Brandon 
and another student by the name of Ryan Hall had confronted Kendrick in the gymnasium. That during the confrontation, Brian had gone into a roid rage and struck Kendrick in the neck with a 45-pound dumbbell. Ryan Hernandez also claimed he was informed that FBI agent Rick Bell called Sheriff Chris Prine after the fight had occurred and asked that the sheriff meet with their coroner. Two of the biggest claims that Ryan had made were that he was told an unnamed FBI agent altered the school surveillance footage and that Kendrick's organs were intentionally removed to obscure the time and cause of death. This affidavit came just two days before a judge ruled that the Johnsons would be responsible for paying $300,000 in lawyer fees that had been accumulated by the Bell's defense. Grant Fredericks of Forensic Video Solutions gave his opinion of what may have happened to the videos, most of which showed choppy, blurry, or otherwise inconsistent coverage during the approximate time and location of Kendrick's death. Those files are not original files. They're not something that an investigator should rely on for the truth of the video. Uh, they've been altered in a number of ways, primarily in image quality uh, and likely in dropped information, information loss. There are also a number of files that are corrupted because they've not been processed correctly and they're not playable. So um, I can't say why they were done that way, but they were not done correctly and they were not done um, thoroughly. So we're missing information. Right now what they've done is they have left it up to the school district to define what it is they want to provide the police. And I think that probably is a mistake. So the investigator's responsibility is to acquire the entire digital video recording system and then have their, their staff define what they want to obtain. You don't want somebody who might be party to the responsibility to make the decision as to what they provide the police. And after hours of analysis, Fredericks questions whether Lowndes County Schools provided all of the surveillance video from the old gym to investigators. There is a hole of time where none of the cameras um, provide any record that, that I've been provided. But what about the more obscure conspiracies surrounding this case? The ones that leave you scratching your head. Are they entirely far-fetched or possible? Given the seemingly total lack of direct evidence preserved in this case, anything seems possible. Okay, this video is going to be about Kendrick Johnson, a young high school man out of Valdosta, Georgia, who was murdered apparently for his organs. Uh, the reason why I'm making this video is because about two years ago I made a video about Trayvon. And even though I didn't know the details at the time, I knew enough to know that something was wrong with that dad, and I said so. And here we are again, and I'm saying it again, something wrong with that dad, and something wrong with this dad, and this mom. Please notice this <laughs> and take heed to the smiles, the giggles. What the hell is so funny? According to the video, and many others like it online, a popular theory is that Kendrick was sacrificed so that his organs could be harvested. Is it a possibility? Sure. Anything is possible, but is it likely? Probably not. In the video, the woman uses clips and photos that show Kenneth and Jackie Johnson with a smile on their face. So the woman claims that is the reason there is something suspicious behind what has happened. To her, their behavior doesn't fit the acceptable expectations of grieving parents. But grief does funny things to people. Many people rely on humor during times of grief as a simple coping mechanism. 
a way to disconnect just long enough to permit oneself to laugh, to enjoy a fleeting moment in an otherwise terrible time of tragedy. Others have latched on to the seemingly bizarre behavior of other parents whose children were gunned down in recent mass shootings, alleging that simple intermittent moments of laughter somehow equate one's trauma and tragedy to nothing more than deep state crisis actors and conspiracies. And let's talk a minute about the newspaper and the missing organs. For many years, prior to modern day, it was actually industry standard for morticians to fill bodies with newspaper or sawdust. Unfortunately, because it was a forgotten practice, Harrington Funeral Home caught major flack from the National Funeral Directors Association. And the organs, where did they go? Harrington Funeral Home claimed they signed for the body upon arrival from the GBI. While the GBI claims they sent the organs inside of the body, the worker who received the body at the Harrington Funeral Home stated that no organs were ever received with the body. There's a multitude of possibilities here, and many theories. Some claim Kendrick's organs may have been stolen while his body was in transport, though by then they would have been long past any viable harvesting stage for transplant. Others believe the GBI simply threw them out to hide or conceal any additional findings that would support a cause of death other than positional asphyxiation. But one of the simplest and most likely theories is that the Harrington Funeral Home simply tossed them out to cut corners on cost while embalming Kendrick's body for the funeral. They offered to do the services for free, after all, as a service to the grieving family. Some say that if it looks like a horse, walks like a horse, and sounds like a horse, it probably isn't a zebra. Well, that might well be the case here. But it didn't stop Kendrick's parents from filing suit against the funeral home in February of 2014, alleging they too were part of a conspiracy to interfere with their son's murder investigation. The suit also alleges that while Harrington recommended the Johnsons get a second opinion into the cause of Kendrick's death after receiving his body, not only were the organs not present when they took possession, but that the very clothing he had also been wearing had been improperly disposed of by the GBI. The GBI in turn confirmed that all internal organs are promptly returned to the body upon conclusion of all autopsies completed under their watch. No matter how deeply the various conspiracies go, they all seem to in some way connect back to a deeper cover-up. A cover-up that in some way was facilitated by the Bell brothers' father, FBI agent Rick Bell. During an interview, Kenneth Johnson talked about one of the last conversations he had with his son, Kendrick. Kendrick claimed the elder Bell asked him to come over so Brian could get a redemption fight after his son had allegedly wound up on the losing side of a recent schoolyard tussle for a rematch, if you will. And I know you could talk to your son about certain things um, that he couldn't talk to nobody else about. Did he tell you some? Did he tell you his personal problems? Did he? Did, was he telling you? Was he able to tell you some of his personal problems? Yeah, I, 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 I'm sure that you know, like every time he get into it uh, with somebody, he'll come tell me. You know, he, he did do that, you know, uh, 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 he, he's, uh, you know, he, he, he talked about a lot, you know, uh, you know, just like uh, the, the male boy he was getting into it with, uh, you know, every time, you know, they have an argument or uh, uh, they get into it, uh, he'll tell me about it. Uh, he even told me the day that the father 
uh, come up to him at school and uh, and ask him to come over to his house and refight Brian because it wasn't a fair fight on the brush. Wait, uh, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the father contacted your son and told him your son needed a rematch? His son yeah. needed a rematch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, he came home and said, he said, Dad. I said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, he said how about Brian's daddy came over to me at school and told me to come over to his house and refight Brian uh, because there wasn't a fair fight on the bus. And, 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 and I know, he didn't call him and say this. He approached him. He physically came up to your son. And this is the FBI uh, employee, correct? Yeah. And uh, Kendall, so, so I said, Kendall, I said, I said, what do you say to him? You know, I know Kendall wasn't dumb, you know. I said, I said, what do you say to him, Kendall? And I know Kendall, uh, Kendall was the type of fella, he gonna take up for himself. Uh, you're not gonna do him wrong. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't having none of that. But yeah. Kendall, I, I said, so what do you say? Uh, Kendall said, I, I just looked at him like he's crazy and I walked off from him. Regardless of the theories that have surfaced, Kenneth and Jackie Johnson continue fighting for the truth behind the death of their beloved son. And in June of 2018, in the ongoing search for that truth, Kendrick's body was exhumed again for a second time. It wouldn't be until months later, on September 25th, that Kenneth would receive the results of what they had found. He immediately took to Facebook Live to stream the results to friends and family. I'm just sitting back here, sitting in the kitchen, trying to um, soak all this in. You know, just receive a copy of the third autopsy report of my son Kendrick Johnson. The most cracking part to this it reads findings not consistent with post affixation. After this third autopsy was conducted, it showed there was hemorrhaging in the right thorax of Kendrick's body. The results were consistent with an assault and someone likely forcing Kendrick's body into the 14-inch diameter hole in the mat. The findings, what they found, that Kendrick was in some type of altercation at the time of his, at the time of his death. It goes to when I went and identified my son's body that I knew what I was looking at. I knew um, there was injuries there. You can see I'm playing today. And you have to think to yourself, man, how can these people here in Lowndes County not tell the truth about an innocent child? I mean, how can they lie? It doesn't make any sense. While the results reaffirmed what the family had long suspected, that there were clear indications of trauma and a cause of death other than positional asphyxiation suggesting non-accidental homicide, they struggled to find support and belief in their claims that Kendrick died not by way of a tragic accident in the old gymnasium there in the Lowndes High School, 
but at the malicious hands of his classmates. Kenneth Johnson continues sharing Kendrick's story and the family's experience attempting to get to the bottom of what actually happened. Sheriff Ryan told us that Kenneth Johnson went down in the mat feet first and he bent over to retrieve his shoe and got stuck. These are the lies they started out with at first. Uh, and we didn't fall for those lies, so they changed up on their story. Uh, you, had, you had Scribe Jones. Scribe Jones, he tried to interact with, with what, what Prime said and tried to convince me and my wife that he told me, Mr. Johnson, when your body dies, your body relaxed and your body falls forward. Well, we didn't stick, we wasn't going for that lot. So that's how it, the story came by. He went down head first. So that's how that story changed because we didn't fall for that lot. Uh, we was here on that Sunday, right here in this crime lab, the Falloster Crime Lab. We was here. And they want them mean to believe that I didn't see what I seen. They want me to believe that this cooler right here in this crime lab was not on warm. This, you hear it from me, I seen it with my eyes. It was me, Scribe Jones, Jane Thornton, and uh, Willie Ham. We was inside this building. I seen what I seen, and they know I seen what I seen. If Kenneth was thought properly, why was this cooler warm? They say Kendrick was turned upside down. He bled from his mouth, his ears, and his nose. Now, look, you look at this picture real careful. You see this picture here? If he, if he bled from his mouth, his ears, and his nose, right here, right behind that sign, why is there a, uh, a streak of blood running across his shoulder? That shouldn't happen. And it's terrible that my sons, all of my sons' organs went missing. This town, Valdosta, Georgia, they haven't done anything to try and find out what exactly happened to his organs. Kendrick's brain went missing, his tongue went missing, his windpipe went missing, and every internal organ inside his body went missing. This town has done anything to find out exactly what happened to Kendrick's organ. Why is it that? Why is it that this town have done anything instead of they made excuses? They want to come at me and my wife because we will fight for the truth of what happened to my son. We will continue to fight them no matter what they try, no matter what they do. We will stand and we will stand firmly against the wrongdoing of this town. The federal investigation into Kendrick Johnson's untimely passing resulted in a ruling of accidental death. Both Kenneth and Jackie Johnson continue fighting for answers and the truth behind their 17-year-old son's tragic end. They continue enduring threats of violence, racist anonymous text messages, and vandalism to Kendrick's grave. Whether tragic accident or murder, the pain of death lives on in the passionate cries 
of two parents struggling to find answers and their son's untimely and premature departure from this world. If you enjoyed this two-part series on Kendrick Johnson, please remember to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We strive to give voice to the voiceless at Invisible Choir. If you have thoughts or theories of your own on this case, give our fan tip line a call at 651-337-9405, and we might just use your comments on the next episode. Until then, remember to never whistle at night, because there may be more lurking in the shadows than darkness. Try make y'all comfortable. Right. For the record, you ain't trying to grow them stuff for you. Right. For the record, lab on me going all the way. For the record, ain't trying to link no time to waste. For the record, for the record, for the for the record, for the record, for the record, for the record. For the record. Been a little too nice to y'all. Now I got up price for y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hay. I won't get involved today. Got lost in the ball and age. I'm flipping the bars. I'm flipping the, flipping the, flipping the. On record, off record. I still count wins when they got it. On record, off record. I let them take advantage. I was wildin'. On record, off record deals. Tell them talk to column for the quote. On record, off record. I still want the act, not the ghost. Running through it with the young and blooming. Try to listen, pressing so coming to it, I've been giving yeses when I shouldn't do it I complete ejection, put them loose and loose and then I'm barely moving But I'm still gon' boost them, I can't work on winners when I know you're losing So I work the winners and they throw the Guess I have to pivot, shooting the bazookas for the facts I need racks, paper, cash, fuck a tax, that's a joke Tell them laugh, Uncle Sam, fuck out the bag Roll me plot, we'll get a whack, contract, give me the max I got lab on my back, you ain't that, then it's raps Whoa, 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 whoa. for the record, I'm done trying to make y'all comfortable Thank you for listening to Invisible Choir. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe. And visit InvisibleChoir.com to learn about our Patreon program, Invisible Choir Premium, which brings you additional episodes and bonus content for just a few dollars per month.